My name is Tony, and I was in a cult for over a decade. And my name is Lindsay, and my sister was in a cult for over a decade. And now I'm out. Lindsay and my family helped get me out, and we have created a podcast. Playing in Traffic. We interview survivors of the Wimscog. We cover topics of healing and topics of all things about cults. So tune in, like, subscribe, whatever all that means, and enjoy the process of deconstruction. Welcome to Playing in Traffic. This is our disclaimer song. This is our disclaimer song. It's our opinion. Don't sue us. Don't sue us. If you didn't want us to make a podcast about you, then you probably shouldn't have started a religion where you brainwashed people and separated them from your family, so it's kind of your fault. But don't sue us. Don't sue us. You know who you are, so don't do it. Don't sue us. You guys, Happy New Year 2023. This episode we have with our special friend Chad, who was with us last year for the New Year. And this time he is going to be interviewing us. And stay tuned all the way to the end to hear Chad's full book review on Animal Farm. So while I smoke the ganja, I can have my Savior and Lord Jesus Christ here in my candle. And he's a pretty hot Jesus. I mean, he's pretty good looking in this candle. Chad, yeah, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, ladies. Happy stinking New Year. How's it going? Yeah. Oh, it's fine. Yeah, it's it's things are going great. Um, I don't know. Let's see. I don't know how detailed you want me to be with that answer. <laughs> but uh, no, it's going good. You've been skiing. Um, you've been adventuring. Well, so here's the deal. Um, <laughs> usually from like Thanksgiving until the end of the year, like I start slipping into depression. And because oh. like the days get shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. And then, like, also my job, like, the nature of my work just slows down towards the end of the year. So, uh, thankfully, like, my my bosses and everyone's, like, really cool to, like, yeah, go out and do stuff or whatever. But, like, I realized this year that, like, no matter what I do, I just, I think I just fucking hate Christmas still. And it's it's not really cult related. It's just, I think it goes back to, like, high school. And there's just something like this stress and this pressure and the days getting shorter as you're leading to that day. And I think people who really enjoy Christmas expect it to be like it's on the movies, like a Hallmark movie. And it's just this wonderful, beautiful time with family and everyone's just in great spirits. And it's just this time of love and like, ah, that's bullshit. It's never been that way for me in my life ever. And uh, maybe as a kid. Right. But like, I don't know, for the longest time, it's just this stressful thing. You worry about finances and you worry about all kinds of stuff. And it's just really at the end of the day, just this commercialized holiday to push sales. 
and it brings out the worst in people, you know? And so anyway, so I was trying to like plan around that and like prepare for that. And even still when Christmas came, I was actually, this is going to sound sad, but it wasn't sad, but I was by myself on Christmas day officially, but I had been with people before that. But even when that day came, I was like, this sucks. Like everything's closed, <laughs> you know? And, um, it's not really until after Christmas is over that then I really like snap out of it and like I get excited about New Year's and it's I just realized that I go through this mental process of just waiting to get past that and it's I'm just kind of filled with dread as you know as it gets closer but once it's behind I'm like whoo all right let's have some fun now <laughs> Chad I felt that 100% this year it's almost like Christmas is just this inconvenient holiday that happens between a fun, you know, great holiday being Thanksgiving and an awesome, fun holiday of New Year's. And then it's just this one that pops up and, you know, here in the U.S. and basically across the world, you know, any Christian, you know, they Christianize that. Other people celebrate it for different reasons, but the original date itself, the reason why there's a holiday period, as we know, Tony, is that it started, it was actually more of, a, you know, it had pagan roots to celebrate winter solstice and the days becoming longer. I'm down with that. Like, I think that's great. And so whenever December 21st comes, I actually get excited about that because I know that that's going to be the shortest day of the year. And every day after that's going to become longer, even if it's not noticeable. But that's that's the trajectory that we're on. We should celebrate but, that. We should have a party that, on that. That's how I feel. Yeah, like, and there's all kinds of people who do observe solstice instead of Christmas, you know, but um, so to me, I, th I think, I think the original meaning behind this winter celebration, like it was spot on. I love celebrating the seasons. We survived. We didn't have freezer stars. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tony, what do you think of Christmas this year? I love sitting by the Christmas tree, reading a book at night when the house is quiet. Like, I just personally enjoy that. I like the little quiet time, you know, like with the kids and stuff like that. I think maybe because of the kids, I am kind of finding it magical. So maybe as I get older, it won't be. Hmm. But I'm sort of enjoying it, but it is very stressful. But I really like buying gifts for people. That's yeah. really fun. Yeah, normally I love making gifts for everyone. And I like this year felt like the pressure was on for like, I don't know what was different about this year. But like, I wasn't feeling creative. Maybe I used to love like making like gift baskets with like all these personalized gifts. But like this year, I was just like, it felt like a burden instead of like a gift. Yeah, I'm on the same page with you guys. Like, I think I would. Here's one thing I've, I've been thinking about for a couple years now, but it really hit me more this year. I think I'd be more excited about uh, celebrating Christmas because I too enjoy get, giving gifts to people, but I hate like receiving gifts. It's like really uncomfortable to me, but I hate that there's like this like greedy energy around like the materialism of the holiday and stuff. And especially like when most of us are doing okay. Like when you think uh, in global population, you know, most people in the United States are doing all right. So there's really no, we don't ever really need anything, right? But it's turned into this custom of like this obligation where you have to do it. And so I've been trying to talk to my family, like, guys, we're all adults here. We all have jobs. We don't need anything. Like, instead of buying each other gifts, let's adopt a family. Like, let's let's actually do it for people who really need it. And like, because I, I guess I just don't like being part of that whole process of receiving things when I don't need it, you know, but like, I do appreciate people thinking of me, 
And I did get good gifts from everyone this year. And so thank you, everyone. <laughs> but, um, okay, that reminded me of the accent. Just... The way he said that reminded me of the accent and how he kind of bowed a little bit. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you, <laughs> thank you everyone. Thank you. Should we go you. into the accent? Should we just go <laughs> accent segment straight out of the gate? Because hey, this well, is your show. That's true. It is our show. That is scary. Okay, so we were talking earlier about how when you're in this cult, in this group, you tend to adopt an accent, a way of speaking. Yes. We all get it. And I've been practicing all evening. I wanted to see if I could mimic it, and I can't. Yeah. But I know what it is. It's like the fluctuation of your voice at the end of every sentence. And I right. don't know if that's like... Hearing the hearing the sermons in a Korean accent and then just interpreting mm. it that way, or if they teach you, I don't know, is it is it taught to to teach it that way, or will you guys explain well, how that? Gets no, done? yeah, no, there's no formal teaching of them sitting you down and saying you must speak like this. It's it's something that is uh, adopted from listening, and because when you are new and you're a student. You kind of notice it, I think, but you're also so fascinated by how they're doing it that you're like, you know, you just kind of pass it off. But then later it's it's once you start teaching, it's you you adopt these phrases in, in ways that are easier, less wordy ways and clearer ways to explain a, like a com complex point. And the thing that my parents always pointed out, the way they said like that in, inflection in the voice at the end, it kind of makes everything sound like a question, mm -hmm. even if it's a statement. Yeah. And because that's that's also the strategy in the, the teachings, instead of it sounding like where it's coming from us, like they're so against like, oh, this isn't my word. This is the word of God. Oh, you know, and that kind of thing. And they play that game. And so a lot of the way it's spoken and, and the cadence and, and the mannerisms, it's done in this way that it's, it's like a leading, it's leading people. And so it gets them, instead of thinking of questions, it helps them just follow your point without interrupting. And it's kind of this hypnotic way of doing it. I used to hate that when I would do Bible studies where it was that call and response thing where they'd say, and then this means what? And I would be like, right. I want to interact with you. I just want to, <laughs> I don't want to answer because I'm not really, you know, it's like a way of being like, are you paying attention? Do you feel yeah. almost like you're in like grade school where the teacher's like, now you read this passage. And I'm like, I don't want to. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> even in the, in the service time, when the pastor's talking to all the people, you mm -hmm. have to interact with him by saying, right. amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, but he, and he also asks questions too, and then all the congregation answers all together. You know what I mean? So like, we played a clip. We played a clip in one of our episodes where he, where the pastor says, "And that means what?" And then everyone says, "La la la." You know, they yeah. they fill in the word for him. False prophets. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Father, mother, <laughs> Passover. It's all these like. And everybody yeah. says it together, and it's just like really like beautiful moment of unison and, and you feel like you're part of a, you're part of something good, right, Chad? It feels mm -hmm. good when you're in it. You are part of yeah. something. It's a cult. <laughs> yeah. yeah right. <laughs> I, I would say there, there is that, 
there is that feeling, that warm feeling of uh, inclusion and being a part of something. But I also think that once you're in there for a while and you've studied a lot or you're trying to learn complex subjects to teach, you know, get to a higher level of teaching, a lot of that participation becomes a way of showing off though too, because you also want to show that you have really good understanding because that's something that's like desirable, you know, because if you're, if you're the one over here sitting through service and you've been there for a good year or two and the pastor's asking a question and you don't know the answer, <laughs> you're like, Oh shit, I don't have the Holy spirit. So you just like kind of pretend. Right. That wouldn't happen. Like, yeah, yeah. You, you just, even if you're mumbling, you're like kind of, Look right. at what did everybody say? Blah, blah, blah. Right. You know, but you don't, you, you definitely want to give the appearance that you know what's going on. Like that becomes a thing that like it's expected and, and, and it's a way that's kind of like one of the sins, I guess you can commit within the church is just like that internal, that mentality, your ego of wanting to show off of how, you know, how, how deep is your understanding? Like that's, that's like, what makes you special in that group instead of being like, you know, successful person in the world with material things or a good paycheck. It's like in the church, like your spiritual wealth is like your knowledge and your understanding. I was thinking that's like a currency. Yeah. Like that's your, your currency, currency mm -hmm. is like, how good are you at preaching? How many fruit mm -hmm. can you have? Um, yeah. Chad, we had an idea. Okay. Tell us what you think. What if, me and you have a conversation as if we were in the church, like oh. like as if we were still in there. Deacon Ooh. Chad, Deaconess Tony, what kind of conversation <laughs> would we have, and how would we speak to each other? This well, is a, and the Lindsay truth can is... be an outsider. Trigger warning! Trigger warning! Trigger warning! Yeah, trigger warning! <laughs> it might trigger me. Okay, hold on. Let me let me smoke. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'm glad my gummies kicked in already, but. Uh... <laughs> But one thing, in all honesty, is that this conversation may or may not actually take place. The fact that we're deacon and deaconess, like, we could get away with some things, but in all reality, brother and sister shouldn't be having a conversation. So there would be, like, brother, brother, But sister, we did sister. speak, though. But, yeah, like, in the church. Not a like, lot. I, felt, I, I talked. I, yeah. Eventually, I got to the point where, like, look. Chad, talked to here. everybody. Yeah. yeah, I talked to everyone. I'm like, That's why I'm they thought you were weird. Woman. Yeah, I like talking to everyone. I talk to homeless people, you know? Like, that's like one of, like, when, oh, that's something. Whenever I first left in that first year and I'm just trying to, like, re-socialize, I would find myself literally telling my story to anyone. I would be talking to homeless people, like, downtown. I'm like, bro. <laughs> and they would be listening to their glass crazy shit, man. <laughs> I'm like, yep, you know, but it was seriously, I would be just talking to strangers just to like get it out, you know? So I, I appreciate all those humans, <laughs> but it's crazy. Like church said, don't talk to them. And <laughs> later I was without even thinking about it. Like it wasn't even a thought, you know, it was just like, Hey, here's someone who looks like they'll listen. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> wow. You want $5? Awesome. Let me tell you my story real quick. That's awesome. You're going to earn this shit. You know, it just shows how important it is to tell your story that you will even tell it to somebody that's homeless and, and how much we want to tell our stories and how healing that is. I think. Yeah, right? Cause it, it feels good. It does feel yeah. good when, when people listen, like yeah. listening is a powerful thing, a powerful thing for healing, you know, but it's, it's just a powerful skill. And to how have, sad you, know, you had to find the homeless that you had yeah. to find the homeless. They're 
were the only ones that weren't too busy. Yeah, right. Like I was like, all right, I got time for you too then, you know. That weren't too busy. And honestly, you probably were not afraid of you weren't probably thinking that they would judge you because they're homeless. Mm-hmm. How could they judge you? Yeah. You yeah, know? I mean, and I oh. and at that point in life I didn't feel oh, like Oh, I'm I was sorry, is that rude? That's them. not what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying, like, I don't <laughs> think a homeless person would be very judgmental. Like it's probably Tony, a safe place to go and, and confess your problems. Tony still discriminates against the homeless. <laughs> so hard like to homeless speak. people better. Heart of homeless stone. <laughs> We're gonna start calling you Stony instead of Tony. <laughs> I have been called that many times in my life, but not because yeah. of that. But yeah. No. Okay. Okay. I'm with you. You know. You know. I love the homeless. You know. I yeah. Love the of course okay. you do. The unhoused but, population. I love our unhomed population. Yeah. And I wish. <laughs> and I wish the government would do more to help out. Uh, you know, me there's too. There's a lot of things that could be done. And we've mm, been thinking yeah. about this recently. Like there are, um, like there are places for you know domestic violence victims or, mm-hmm. you know, um, children that are homeless. But I personally know that many members yeah. were taken to the homeless shelter. Chad, do you yeah, remember, remember me and you took... Yeah. Did we have a fruit together? Was she was she my fruit. fruit. She was she your was fruit, but fruit. I just helped you out. Yeah. Okay. So our pastor like, sent me and Chad to take a woman and her three children to a homeless shelter downtown and we had to sit there and wait for them you know for to do all the intake and it was so awful Mm -hmm. and it was like now looking back i'm like oh my god how could we do that as a church how could we send a she wasn't healthy like she was like in bad health she was in poor health and but she had beautiful kids like uh, her oldest son i love that kid and why did they uh, get sent to the homeless shelter they were already homeless, I believe. If no, I'm not I think they were like they were having financial problems. You know, she was okay. having health problems. Okay, so so when and she I joined the she... church, she was not homeless. No, she wasn't. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. Whenever I started helping you out, it was because she was homeless, and they're like, "Send Deacon Chad there so that you're safe, and we can get him home." And you know, is because it's a rough part of the city and everything. But. Um, I just remember whenever we would pick him up or drop him off, like she just had such a like embarrassed look um, and just a look of shame of like us taking her there. You know, like she was grateful to us, but also embarrassed about her situation. And it, and we would talk about that. I remember we would like drive back to the church, you know, talking about like how heartbreaking that was, but like also thankful to, to father and mother that she was right. you know, part this of the is church. father and mother's will so we would say oh this is mm-hmm. this is her cross to bear this is um you know once she overcomes this she'll be so blessed right we can have this conversation do you want to have a fake conversation of us driving home after dropping off a homeless girl <laughs> that's, 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 a, that's, a good that's a pretty sad one we could do a funny one or we could do a sad one what are well, you what are you guys in the mood for? Do both. <laughs> all right. All right. I mean we can all right. uh, so we okay. just dropped her off, okay? Close Here's the, door. the scene. Yeah. Here's the scene. You guys drop oh. her off and then you go back and have Korean barbecue. That's the scene. Probably. <laughs> oh. No, probably not. We probably had to race back for preaching meeting. Or yeah. Chad had to race back so that he could baptize somebody. Yeah. 
or we had orchestra practice or, or had if it was like after service and we're taking her home yeah <laughs> yeah yeah seriously yeah we started a construction project after church because we're having a seminar the next day <laughs> <laughs> have to rebuild the sanctuary <laughs> yeah, we have to tear it down and rebuild it in 12 hours <laughs> ready go and get all the monsters you can yeah, yeah, we're to get an IV of monster and also empty your bank account and maybe make some time to go donate plasma for some extra cash. <laughs> yeah. Members would do that. People were selling yeah, people were selling their cars and quitting jobs and just living off of donation money from plasma or blood. Yeah, I guess just plasma. But like they were going more, like they were going to the point where they were being asked to not go anymore by the clinics because they're like, this is not healthy for you. Like we can't let you do this. And then they would be all upset because they're expecting they're like, money. I need to tithe. Yeah, then I need to tithe or oh I gotta pay rent. And mm -hmm. then they're not able to pay rent even though it's like 120 bucks at the time. And they <laughs> They don't have any money because they chose not to work. You know, it's crazy. My question is, didn't you guys have so many places, like little apartments in the sanctuary? Why didn't that lady just live there? Oh, you had to be a gospel She's worker. She's not a worker. Oh. Yeah. And so because she was homeless and didn't have a good, what they called, physical situation, uh, that was one requirement to be a gospel worker is to be able to manage your finances and stuff like that, even if it was just a little bit of money. But if you could pay your bills and tithe and offering and all that kind of stuff and attend to every single event, that's how you become a worker. Like you oh, do it all. And Tony, didn't you guys pay rent while you lived there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Like I remember paying rent too, when, even in the big church. And it was like, all it was was a tiny ass bedroom that we made right. it like and it was oh, like I, 350 I saw, bucks or it was expensive to live at the church i was like right. oh, shit. i saw <laughs> where, i saw that room where tony and her family lived yeah you did i installed me and another deacon installed all those air conditioning units in those apartments above the sanctuary and I, i'm pretty sure we built those rooms too like not me personally but i think the church did that because i don't think those rooms were like that necessarily and so they made them smaller so more people could be up there. But like they were those kind of, they weren't even window units. They were actually Korean plug-in ones made by like LG. And then like the hose goes out the window though, all the, the heat. So anyway, I, I did all that work and plus a few other AC units <laughs> around the state. So have you all read Animal Farm? Or did you, or do you remember what it's about? I read it in high school. It's been a long time. I'm going to reread it. You have to reread this, okay? It's going to blow your mind because there's definitely this authoritarian mindset. Like, you don't question the leadership. What they say goes. They're always right. And they can change things on a whim. They even changed songs. They had these songs that they would sing. And then later, like, they changed that. And they're like, oh, no, we're not singing that anymore. Wimscog has done that with new songs. They've done that with chapters of the Green Book. Like they've done it in so many ways where they remove it and then they say, "Oh no, we never taught that." Oh, because oh my god, are you reading 1984 right now? Yes, I am. Yeah, oh, <laughs> I just started that yesterday. Yeah, wait, just and, and wait. That's, oh, I yeah. can't wait. I'm gonna read Animal Farm, and I can't wait for you to read because yeah. I recently and read 1984 yeah. again. It was like, oh my god, the way that they right. try to change your 
you know uh-huh. like no yeah. i was there in 2012 yeah. you yeah, like, i, I, I told people I that the world was gonna end because that's what you told me was gonna happen yeah now that you're saying that <sighs> we never said that and yeah that's exactly yeah i'm in like the fifth chapter of 1984 right now so I, I think i just started it yesterday but exact same thing you know and same author and so yeah. his whole way of writing and the way that he can describe like the the like the psychology and just that element of just thinking and the thought process when you're in those kind of scenarios, it's like so spot on. It's amazing. And so even though he's talking about political regimes, I mean, it applies to religion, cults, uh, any group that indoctrinates and any of that stuff, you know, it's just. So the last time I was on the show, it was December of 2021, 21. And um, it was season one. So a lot has changed. A lot has happened in just a year's time. So I want to ask just, I want you guys to kind of just give a recap of what 2022 was like for you, whether it's personal or in terms of the show. What are some of the things that you're most proud of? Uh, Some of your successes, that kind of thing. And then uh, later on, let's talk about some of the challenges. But start with just... Whoever wants to go first, uh, but yeah, just kind of give a big picture of what was 2022. I'll let I'll let Tony start. I want to hear what you say. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, I think I can speak for both of us. When we started, like every listen, we'd be like, oh my God, another person listen. Oh my God, another person listen. <laughs> we'd be like, dude, 20 people have listened to our episode. Oh We're constantly gosh. checking our app. Like every, oh, yeah. <laughs> every day was like another milestone where we'd be like, when we get to 100, we have to go to dinner. When we get to 100, <laughs> we have That's to go great. to dinner. And then like a week later, we'd be like, okay, once we get to 1,000. And it was just so quick. Like it just took off so much faster than we thought. So mm-hmm. I would say the whole year was number one pleasantly shocking at how many people were listening and how many people were enjoying it okay so today is january 2023 Mm -hmm. and um i feel like the last 2022 was amazing because i feel like by making the podcast we kind of grew a little network of people Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, all over the world in a way. And, right. and I wasn't expecting that. I was, ex- I don't know why, but I wasn't expecting to like really get personal with the people that would be listening. But it's yeah. like really helping. I feel like it's helping all it of is. us just get back to reality, get like realigned with what is what, help each other a little bit. Yeah. I mean, just think of it this way. When before the podcast even started, so before the podcast started, we didn't have uh, a presence yeah. on social media and a way for people to connect. You know, so I the, even though people were out, people were siloed, they were just by themselves. And so I think one through li- creating a podcast, you know, it's just from your earliest episodes, if you remember, you were just explaining, you both were just talking like, hey, we're just kind of doing this for my healing process and just to have a space to talk about it and so at first it was really meant for you uh individually but 
as 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 it's evolved and you have more and more interviews more people have come on people have been able to it's allowed a way for people to find each other so then then we can have ways to support each other even outside of the podcast but then just now there's so much content that there's an episode for it's kind of like a library it's a resource and a tool where if someone's new or if they're thinking about coming out we can pull up an episode and just send it to them and say, listen to this one, you know, because they might have great uh, explanation in that interview. You know, there's so many awesome uh, former members who are fantastic at, re you know, refuting the church doctrine or explaining some aspects. I mean, everyone's had a different skill set, different talent, and you really hear that through the podcast. But now it's become this thing that people really look forward to. And they're really excited to listen to. They kind of rely on it. It's it's become part of their recovery journey where by listening to each episode, they feel connected to both of you. We've even had an opportunity to meet in person with a few of them. And that was like an awesome thing of 2022 of us actually, you know, because it feels like we already knew each other, but then to be together is like make it official. That was a blast. And hopefully we can do more of that with more people in the future. Um but now, yeah, I mean, what season are you in now? Is it six yet or still five? We're still five. Okay, but five seasons in the past year. So you guys, like, put out mad content. We like, did. you guys say so busy with that. Tony, do you have our stat off of Spotify for that? We have 45 countries. Dude, that's awesome. We've recently added, like, three or four within the past few days. Countries that are very random that I would never expect. And we have listeners in 47 states. 47 states and 45 countries? 45 countries. All right, so which country is the most surprising? Ooh, the most surprising. Well, they're all really random and surprising, but Tony and I have said that we're not going to say the actual countries anymore. Sure. We're worried that well, we're putting people out in certain places and we don't want to ever put anybody in danger. Lindsay doesn't want anybody to get murdered, she said. I don't, I don't. <laughs> like if you're in a country where like they, you know, in America, they're not very nice yeah, to the yeah. members, but in some of the countries, we we, there's been, I've heard stories that they're uh, way worse to those yeah. members. So, you if know. You Stories, please send it to us. We'd love to hear from you. A lot of these random countries, it might, it might be, you know, hopefully it's people who are leaving, but it could be existing churches and stuff too. So if that's the case and you're Wimpscog and you're listening, hello. Because <laughs> we, we know, like, you guys suck at being, like, sneaky. You guys are horrible <laughs> at it. <laughs> and, and if it's anyone from Denver, I heard about the story that they told – after me and Tony did our interview, too bad you guys haven't listened to it yet. But um, anyway, I just think it's so funny that like I was calling them weird on the podcast and then their rebuttal was to call me weird. So good job. That one really hurt, guys. <laughs> you guys need to brush up your skills. You guys suck. Man, you know, Chad, we've been, we really want to have somebody on to defend them, you know, like, yeah. If they want to defend, if they're listening, they can come defend themselves and we'll have a chit chat. But yeah, that, that'll everyone. be triggering for you. I do everyone. want to say though, <laughs> you said a lot of really nice things. Um, I do want to say, I think that when we were still in and just kind of starting to come out, I think that people were using the examining website 
mm-hmm. you know, right. and using that platform to to <clears> speak <throat> on the forums and stuff. But oh, and Great Lakes Studios and Great Lakes Studios later. Yeah, yeah. we're not. Yeah, like I was gonna say, like, there are three essential uh, modes that people can access information, and you got. The Holy Spirit. The, the yeah, we have a Trinity going of <laughs> recovery material. The Holy Trinity of recovery. Kind of like, kind is, of like H2O. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> they're all one. They're all one, but they're yet yeah, they're three. But yeah. anyway, um, so yeah, Great Light Studios, fantastic, very powerful, uh, you know, uh, show at whatever it's called on YouTube. But Jordan's badass, great person. Loved his interview with you guys. But you know, he's for someone who has dedicated so much time and has never been a member and understands the doctrine as well as he does in the way he refutes it through the Bible for people who, you know, want to see it that way. I mean, that's the dude. Like, go watch his stuff. He's awesome. The, let me let me let me see how pastor would say it. If then, hmm, church of God has so many surrender, huh? The church got examining side. They say so many post things about our father and mother. <laughs> oh they really, God. they really wicked. Hmm? They evil. Hmm? What kind of mind? Hmm? They really in in heavenly kingdom. They try to kill our mother. Hmm? <laughs> I really, I, I, I think, I think that no, no hope. Hmm? Then, then, if then, there, there can be no hope for salvation. Oh my, oh my God! If I close my eyes, Chad, <laughs> I can swear to God that I'm in pastor's office, mm-hmm. being yeah. rebuked right now. Oh my God! <sighs> that is he would, he would do the thing with his throat when he's like, and he emphasizes when we say stuff like so many. Oh, they'd be like, look <laughs> <laughs> it, so, so. I wish you guys could see thing. Tony's face right now. Oh my god, you don't know how like spot on that is. Oh yeah. my god. Hmm. And also how scary, like I can't believe that we just let him yell at us the way we did. Whose commandments? Hmm? <laughs> Whose commandments? Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> I I could do this all day if I knew uh, if there wasn't so much pressure. Damn you guys! <laughs> oh yeah, you have a song that you need to sing. You got a song. Yeah, a song. I have to learn those lyrics. It was what "Jumper" by Third Eye Blind is what Anthony was requesting. Yeah, you got a song request in in your accent. I don't know that song. You want me to play it? You would Maybe jump you know. out from the bridge, my friend. You could. Cut ties with all the rise we've been ribbing in. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I think that's the song that he's talking about. I think Anthony should do it and then send yeah. it to Anthony challenge. <laughs> you get to do it, brother. <laughs> oh, it brother. Former Deacon Anthony. That is that song. Yeah, that one. We can play 30 <laughs> seconds for copyright rules. Oh my there you God. go, Anthony. This is for you. I would understand. understand. (laughs) Pastor had a huge, like, barreling, you know, booming voice, barrel chest. Oh, my God. And when he would sing, he could fill up a whole room with his voice. It was was like kind of 
it was almost scary of like how like whoa is star you know yeah, yeah. Like, oh my god <laughs> spirit jump you're like oh god he must be a prophet <laughs> all right oh so god. let's go back to all right so we're talking okay. about 2022 so when you think about what your original intent was with starting the podcast versus where you're at now, what's, what's different about it? How has it changed? I knew that it was going to be for healing, but I didn't know what that meant. And right. I didn't know that that meant like going through trauma, traumatic experiences over and over again in my head. I didn't know that it would be going through others, traumatic experiences. Um, and all of that was actually really difficult. Like recording was difficult. Uh, nightmares would happen continuously, which we have been talking about recently. A lot of members, uh, members, a lot of our friends have been having nightmares. Um, but it's been amazing because I feel so good now and, and a lot better. I mean, obviously we'll never be totally better, but I think Tony and I have mentioned this a few times in the last few episodes, but we both started therapy for the first time. Okay, we got to like get some professional help. Um, I mean, I think everyone should do therapy, but I I think um, I can relate to what you both have gone through with this. Like, there would be a mistake to not give yourself that time and space to do your own healing and, and just sacrificing yourself continuously trying to help other people when you yourself aren't really capable of helping fully, you know? I, it seems like a lot of survivors come out of the cult and then it's automatic to just ignore what happened to us. Right. I think it's, a, I think it's like, it's probably a, you know, a defense mechanism. We don't want to know or really understand what happened to us. It's scary to look back at those things. So a lot of us shut it off and don't want to think about it and then mm -hmm. just go in our life. But then later it will manifest into other things, you know? Yeah. So I think it was important for all of us together, you know, I feel like the podcast sort of turned into a community, you know, it did. Yeah. So it kind of forced all of us to face it, what we went through. And even though it was scary and it was, it was dark, but we did it and we came through on the other side. I think that, you know, that's been the greatest thing. Uh, it has become a community and it's part of the Holy Trinity. So, uh, <laughs> amen. But, yeah, amen. So, amen. but uh, you said something earlier that is interesting, though, because when you first started answering, you said that you knew when you were starting the podcast, you it was going to be for your healing, but you didn't know what that meant. What have you found that it means? Okay, I feel I found that it means facing it head on, mm -hmm. um, going, going with it. And, and even if it's difficult and painful, acknowledging it and accepting it and moving forward instead right. of ignoring it and hiding it. I hid so much, so many things for a long time from my family, from my friends. Lindsay didn't know that I ate baby spit and now she knows. Well, that's right, why it's right. interesting because I'll hear somebody that we're interviewing and they'll tell a story. And then I'm like, did you see that? Like, did that happen to you, Tony? And then she's like, oh, yeah, of course. And I'm like, oh, every day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's what's so cool about the podcast, because I, I think it's really hard on a human level to be able to verbally explain every angle and every aspect of occult experience. 
So getting to hear many different stories, you do, you know, there are these layers or these angles that get pulled back or you get a different glimpse. And, and it's something that you, you know, as a, as a member, it's like, oh yeah. And you forget, you know, like, yeah, that was, that was something, you know? And so it's really been awesome to have this collection of stories and that more are coming. Right. And so let me ask you this. So as you were talking about through what healing means and facing it head on and acknowledging everything. And have you found that as, as you've gone through that process, are, are you able to see yet how some of those experiences have given you an, an advantage in life and allow you to, you know, have an edge or uh, upper hand on other people who have never been through something like that? Like say, whether it's in a work setting or a social setting, whatever, but some, have you noticed anything like that yet? So let me say like this. This isn't about me specifically, but among the among the survivors that I see, I see every single one of us. Not not me. I don't know. But anyway, I see everybody excelling in whatever it is that they're doing and rising right. to the top. And I think right. that that's really interesting um, mm-hmm. because every single person is somebody who has a drive that is higher than most, I guess. And I think that that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, I do. I, I am getting to the point where I can see through through some of the bad things and see a lot of the good things. And, you know, some of those trainings that they put us through, I mean, I saw what I am capable of doing, mm-hmm. good and bad, right? Right. Good and bad. But, but the good, like, I know what I'm able to endure. I know that I can go without eating for three days. You know, I know that I can, can survive out in the cold if I had to, or, you know, live off of MREs. I know certain, um, also mental, more mental things that I can endure, you know, mm-hmm. um, because we did, we suffered. Like we, yeah. we, we were so proud of our suffering. Right, right. It, it became a, a sign of honor. Yeah, yes. like a badge of honor. The yes. more you suffer, the more blessed you were. Yep. Yes. Well, if if you've left and you're like filling out a resume, mm-hmm. really think about the skills that you actually learned, even if they're not yep. from like a past job. Think of the skills that you actually had to do secretarially or like management wise because so much territorially like how much we cleaned I'm literally a professional cleaner and (laughs) I'm also a chef because of how much time we spent in the kitchen Mm -hmm. you know yeah but no that that's a good point about the resume because you know so I I work in recruitment and I look at people's resumes all the time I help people with like uh, career development and all that kind of stuff and yeah, I absolutely did that with my resume. And the thing is, so any skill you learned or any kind of responsibility, anything that is like job related, you can put that on your resume and just put it under volunteer and just, and that's how you do it. You you put it as a volunteer opportunity. They're claiming you guys as volunteers as their taxes on their taxes. Seriously. No, we were doing the work. The work was valid. We were working hard every single day. It was just labor. It was just slave labor. It was labor. I, I put on I put on my resume uh, for that, or at least on my LinkedIn profile. I put I, my what I did. My duty was membership recruitment. 
And um, because we, every single day, we're recruiting people. And so whenever I apply for recruitment jobs, I just explained, yeah, this wasn't, this was door-to-door and uh, face-to-face recruitment. It wasn't uh, corporate recruitment. And they're like, oh, okay. And it makes sense to them. I'm like, all right. I'm like, there we go. And so, and the more experience you add on your resume, then the more you'll get paid. A little tip, friends. I got over a decade of uh, of cult leadership experience. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's people management. Um, so I mean, God, it's a lot. Like, seriously, you do learn a lot of skills. You learn a lot of really good skills when you were in there, when you're a leader in there. So, Lindsay, what do you, uh, what do you, from your perspective, how, what have you seen with Tony now that she's out and as she's recovering and everything? Um, what are the things that stand out to you about her where you see this kind of evolved person and uh, stronger, you know, these these good qualities from that experience? What, what have you noticed? The first one that comes to mind, I would say, is um, creating boundaries. I'm very proud of her for that. We've both been bad at that in our lives. And Tony was, you know, 12 years without the experience outside. So watching her be able to like rebuild her boundaries and and know when she can say, no, you know what? I don't want to do that. (laughs) Yeah. Just seeing her like find enjoyment and and things again, you know, like, will she be like, oh my God, did you hear this like Kanye West album from 2010? And I'm like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, I that's, that's fun though. Long time ago, you know, <laughs> like she's rediscovering the world again, which is really fun to watch. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, have you ever seen the show? And I'm like, yeah, that came out like ten years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's called The Office. I think it's new. Yeah. Yes, I think it's new. It's his new show. So funny. That's exactly um, that was my thing, but it was music too. But one of my like my family laughed and they you know they thought it was adorable when I was going through that. But honestly, that was one of my most like fun times of recovery, of rediscovering the world and the things I missed out on, the music I missed out on, the movies, the shows, like just pop culture in general. And I'm not down with all of it, but then, but there's some, certain things where I'm like, oh my God, this is the most incredible thing I've ever listened to. You know, I felt that way, like with Jay-Z and Kanye, like going back when I was trying to get caught up on hip hop and stuff. And I was like, good Lord, he is anointed. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> You know, so I, I definitely felt that way. And I was just like, this is now this is talent, you know, to see like real skill and real talent compared to what was being acknowledged as skill and talent in the church. It's like, <laughs> I mean, there was so much art and music and and mm. all of that was still happening while you guys were in. And so, you know, you have yeah. you have so much to catch up on when you leave. It's so exciting. Yeah, it's fun. I, I think it's awesome. Yeah. Um, so let's talk. Let's move on and talk about the question you were going to answer before, Lindsay, about where, you know. So we've kind of caught up of where we're at now. Where do you want to go? Obviously, we're still going to do the interviews because those are amazing. Mm-hmm. So everybody, still send us emails if you want to be on or you have a story you want to share. Once a month, we want to do an episode where we focus on some kind of like alternative um, healing modality and then like share our experience with it. So cool, like yeah, you want to yeah. go get acupuncture and maybe find an acupuncturist to come on and talk about it. And then we can kind of pick their brain about it. Um, craniosacral therapy. Tony wants to try reflexology and boom, I'm actually trained on reflexology. So I'm going to give Tony nice. reflexology 
And then she's going to report back the experience. So we're going to do that. Like once a month, we're going to do something to give everybody like different ideas and be like, this is kind of hokey. This is kind of cool. But that's so fun having new experiences and just living experimentally and just being like open to things and stuff. I'm excited to talk to everybody about EMDR and how that is helpful in uh, trauma therapy. And so I'm just excited to see how all of these different things can help specifically with trauma. I really, this year, I hope to unite more people in the cult surviving world. And I want us to, I don't know, find different ways to help each other and help others coming out. So Tony was saying more of like a, like a support group idea like she wants more of like a physical space but we talked about the idea of making it first like an online space mm-hmm. and i know that we've been tossing that idea out the hard the- thing about the Wimscott is we're all so separate you know so it's yeah. hard to have a physical space together however there was a very violent crime recently in my neighborhood at mm-hmm. a jehovah witness right. um, kingdom hall and yeah. it really made me think that there are cult survivors in our direct communities that don't maybe don't even know that they were in cults or they don't know that they were in these high control groups so i sort of want to also maybe make local connections and see if people need help within within a local capacity because i'm thinking chad of us dropping off that poor woman and her children right mm-hmm. i mean there has to be a resource for somebody like her or somebody like so many others that we have heard were dropped off, you know, to be homeless because they were no longer allowed to be church members. And that just seems so sad. And and the people who come out and they just don't have a job. They don't know how to manage their finances. They've been cut off from the world for 12 years. They might not have family and they're traumatized. They think they're going to hell. Mm-hmm. Terrified. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I, no, I I think this is great because what we're talking about isn't just something for this next year, but really, what we're tapping into is something of what all this really could become, and you know, in a, even in multiple years, maybe five years from now, of it really being this big thing where it is uh, more of a operational. Uh, pl- uh, place that people can go or a resource that they can have to reach out to for things, not just about understanding, you know, deprogramming themselves and understanding why it was a cult, but like, okay, uh, how do I manage money? How do I get a job? How do I do any of this stuff? You know, and among, you know, we all have kind of talked offline about just among us, among us, uh, former members who are in our careers now, we all have a lot that we can contribute to that to help, you know, you know, create that, you know? And so I think I love that idea um, that it, cause yeah, it might be starting off as this healing journey in the playing in traffic podcast, but then grows into this other thing because it's brought people together and through that people can contribute to help people just like themselves, you know? And so um, I love that vision. I definitely want to be a part of that. And, um, and it's not something that I think if that's just always maybe the end goal, because it sounds like 
for all of us, I think our, our calling and our desire as we live this one life is to still help people, you know? And so it doesn't, there doesn't have to be a time limit on it and say, we got to do it this year. And then next year we're going to do something different. You know, it's like that works never done, you know? So, um, so yeah, I mean, if that's like the direction it goes, then that's awesome. It could look completely different than that, you know, or whatever. I'm thinking you guys all take your house church skills, yeah. but we convert a house instead of a church and we make it the like local center for people who come in for resources and the recovery uh, house. Yeah. The recovery <laughs> house. <laughs> and it's going to be a lot of addicts showing up and we're like, Ooh, sorry. Ooh. <laughs> are you addicted to Actually, the Actually, I think the, the addicts are similar to the cold sure. survivors, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, that is something that gives me confidence. So all of my confidence comes from being in there because, mm-hmm. you know, I started off as, you know, just sort of like a shy young college student, but in there, I learned how to be a Bible teacher. I learned how to become a deaconess and how to overcome all those hoops that they make you go through and go through all that suffering. So that gives me confidence that whatever I do, I can be really good at. And so I know that if we all put our minds together and we did something like this, you know, what, mm-hmm. whatever visions we have in the future, that it will work. Like mm-hmm. I have, because I know what we can do, Chad. I saw us. I mm-hmm. saw us working. Our, when you get people together, I thought that was the Holy Spirit. I thought that was God. But now I realize that was us. It was people yeah. who were connecting on a common goal and right. being connected through that. And that's that feeling of exhilaration. It's not... Right. It's not the spirit of An Sang Hung or Zangil Ja. It's right. it's it's each individual person's spirit who's excited because you're believing in something and you're with other people who are like-minded, you know. And that can exist in so many different things, you know. When it comes to something that's related to your calling and your passion and you know something that you have strong feelings towards, that's when it happens. Is when you surround yourself with those types of people, you know. And and you know it's what I've learned about like, say just business in general is that, you know, I, I, I'm not an entrepreneur and I realize like, even though I might understand the concepts of how to run a business, there are certain aspects where I need someone with a better skill set. I need someone who knows how to understand marketing better than I do or this or that. And, and so it's the same where all of us who have this desire, like each one of us has a different skill set to bring to the table so that it's a collaboration instead of it being this individual pursuit that you're putting your life into. And that could possibly, you know, every entrepreneur's, I, I think, fear is failure, or at least maybe that's their expectation. But that's the thing is like, it's tough when you're just by yourself. But the more that you have a team and you're doing this together and have, sharing this common goal, the better your chances of success are, you know? So, um, yeah, everyone's it's that's the beauty of diversity and all that kind of stuff. And that's the HR in me, uh, because that's the world that I live in Monday through Friday. So <laughs> that's uh, something we've talked about. We're like, we should monetize the podcast so we have money to like start something like this. And then I just keep going back to that. Like, I don't think that we will ever um, aggressively ask people who left a cult who took all of their money to become like membership. Like I would never like, I would never feel comfortable with that. So I think the route we want to go on eventually, hopefully soon is make merchandise. Uh, Hopefully someday uh, 
us being able to do like an annual retreat or convention kind of thing where we could have these different modalities of healing. So, you know, the things that you guys might find out if there's something that we could apply like at an in-person retreat one day so that people could go do yoga or meditate or do acupuncture or whatever the case may be, art therapy. You have some of that going on, but then you have, uh, you know, people who need to be deprogrammed and they want to understand through the Bible. You know, we got people who have the ability to show you why it's wrong. Yeah, Jordan, Jordan, come yeah, on. Jordan, yeah, Anthony, come Kelsey, Kelsey, all yeah. of the three amigos. Like that's their, <laughs> that's their whole territory. Like I'll go sit in the back and be like, damn, they still got it. You know, but, yeah. But, but, you know, and then like, but we could have like a financial wellness uh, education seminar. And then like, and I, I would be happy to teach things about finding jobs and helping people like figure out their career path and do stuff like that. But then it could just room? be a time to just be fun, you know? Yeah. Can we have a smoke room? Hell yeah. We got it. We have to do it in one of the legal states so Tony can have a pot room. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's part of healing. Yep. That's oh. mandatory. So fun, and we could all like microdose. Oh, we could have mushrooms <laughs> mm -hmm. in Colorado. That's going to be legal soon. Oh, it's legal now. It's January, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here we Happy go. Happy New Year. I don't know that we're allowed to like pass out mushrooms. I don't think that. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have I'll any. Just give people but the keys you, to my car. <laughs> if you want to do mushrooms at the retreat, we won't call the cops. We won't. Yeah. Them. We'll create oh, a I would be interested. Oh, Lindsay, we should put that on our list. Going yeah, you guys have you have you not tried that yet? Mushrooms. We could do yeah. psilocybin, but they have it where you could do it with a therapist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you need it. Put that yeah. on the list. All right. Please, everybody listening, send us more ideas if you have a really good one. If you got one right on your tongue, send us an email right now. Um, because right now we have reflexology, acupuncture, craniosacral therapy, meditation gong bath can't wait for that getting our tarot cards read um emdr and talk therapy which we're both doing already um going to a break room <laughs> just because that would be smash fun. well you can smash things yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that sounds cool so here's kind of the next part of the question so we have this dream we have this vision and this goal of I where we want to go a few episodes ago, Lindsay wrote a letter to mother and she read it out loud and it was sad and funny. And it made me start to think if I could write a letter to mother now, what would it say? And I and I started and I wrote a letter to mother. Oh, I'm sorry, not mother. Zongilja. I wrote a letter to Zongilja. Uh, it was harder than I thought and I actually couldn't finish it. So me and Lindsay had an idea that if any of you listeners would like to write a letter to Zangilja now, knowing what you know now and everything that you've been through, if anybody would be interested in submitting that, whether it's through email or through a voice memo, and then maybe we could read it and it could help me get through my letter to mother. So mother. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to know what you're going to come up with. because I want to know what that letter says and what you have to say to her. It's a little bit angry, a little bit sad. Well, that's definitely a letter you need to write without fear, yes. right? From the be the aggressive one in the uh, the letter, uh, yeah. Because she's just gonna be like, oh, oh, God bless you, oh, 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 o
Father, come soon, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, we have to end. We have to end with Chad's New Year's message as mother. God bless you. Happy news, news user. Pizza Harder. I love you. <laughs> Boom, Boom, baby. Okay, let really, me hear like, right here then. What I'm did just you just kidding. say? <laughs> oh, huh? oh my God, let's see. Yeah. Oh, are we starting? Oh, damn. Okay. Yeah, let me hear it. <laughs> Basically, what George Orwell, his whole inspiration of writing the book, it was about the Soviet revolution and about totalitarianism and all that stuff right so it's fictional where but you know so that's the point of the book but when i read it i got something completely different because there's all these parallels with these authoritarian governments and basically like how a cult is managed and how it operates right and i mean as you read it you you'll see like so basically all these animals and animal farm uh, they're supposed to like represent different leaders in the Soviet Union and uh, all that kind of stuff. But basically how it starts out is there's old major and he's this like huge boar and he's basically he's like a prophet. And so he gathers all the farm animals together and he has this dream and he tells them and he's telling them basically a day of this revolution is going to come and how basically, you know, uh, all the humans are the enemy and really the animals are meant to be free. And like, and they're all equal and all this kind of stuff. And it just, it really inspires them. And then he dies the next day. So then uh, eventually, like after some time, then this revolution happens. And then this farm becomes managed by the animals themselves. And you see this whole indoctrination process that happens because they take the teachings of old major, the prophet, and later those become the seven teachings, the seven commandments, basically. And at first, like everybody's on the same page and everything's going great. Life has never been better for them. And they're member, all that each animal like is smarter than the other and that kind of thing. So, but they're all trying to learn these teachings and they have uh, these phrases and lingo and all that kind of stuff. And then little by little, so there's these two pigs, the pigs are the smartest. And so these two, they, they're, like, they're kind of running this movement, but then eventually there's this like falling out where this one pig, Napoleon, he kind of like basically makes the snowball, the other pig, makes him, even though he was good, he like drives him off and makes snowball look like this bad person. And little by little things start changing. And, um, but everything's, all this bad stuff is always blamed on snowball or like humans, like this invisible enemy. There's never any proof that like snowballs running their work or running their projects or spreading these lies, but they, but they start gaslighting them one by one because they start changing these teachings. And because these people aren't so smart and they just kind of accept what they say, like there's even these sheep who just, uh, constantly just like they're so dumb that they just repeat what they hear and anyway so the teachings eventually change where it was like 
I thought we weren't supposed to live in the beds because these pigs eventually start living in the, the main farmhouse where the, the humans used to live. And they start like enjoying all the, like the luxuries of the enemy. And, and so people are noticing it and they're seeing, it and they start asking questions, but every time, whenever they respond, they, they have changed it a little bit. And they're like, Oh, we didn't say you couldn't sleep in beds. You can't sleep in beds with sheets. The whole commandment's against sheets. Of course, we all need to sleep in beds. You all sleep in beds in the barn. We're no different. And and everyone eventually, like, they just accept it. And it continues on and on and on like this in so many different scenarios. And then by the end, this, this thing that they thought they had been saved from, where they were so excited later like their whole lives like declined by this like evil this wickedness within the leadership that they finally realized that they are no better off than they were before that this whole thing this this salvation never took place and there's like this kind of i don't want to ruin the end but there's basically the point is that eventually like the pigs start learning to walk like like humans and they they used to have a uh, saying that was four legs are good two legs are bad and and the sheep would always be saying this and then eventually the pigs start learning to walk on their hind legs and they start replicating everything that they said was evil to the point where they're indistinguishable like they're drinking alcohol they're doing all this stuff while everybody else is suffering and so there's just so many parallels of like what it's like to be in any cult but i found so many as like the way it's written as you read it you'll just like be like oh my god this reminds me of blah 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 you know so 